This is Jake Brown, and I'm the credit manager for Egg Services. We are pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Coonan in studio. We'll have updates from Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman as well. Argentina saw some welcome rains late last week, but additional moisture is needed. World Weather Incorporated has more rain in the forecast over the next 10 days, but many key crop production areas will likely be missed. In the areas receiving rain, there may not be enough to counter evaporation. The grain market uh, continues to focus on the South American weather. Progressive Ag Marketing market analyst Brian Strumman says traders will be watching Argentina's crop conditions and Brazil's harvest. Argentina updated their uh, crop ratings and, and dropped them again this week to only be rated now at 3% good to excellent. and That offers some support, but there's more rain uh, in that forecast, and they've added some additional moisture uh, as we move forward here. And and then you've got a record crop being talked about in Brazil, so that uh, kind of offsets some of that uh, positive news. And a bigger question is, will those rains help the crop? Still, maybe 10% of their corn has yet to be planted, uh, so that's that's uh, early in the early stages. Uh, you look at uh, the soybeans, uh, they're maybe a little farther along, so uh, that'll be a big question. Uh, certainly rain is going to help, but how much uh, is the unknown? The beginning of a legislative session typically happens at a slow, methodical pace. One of the bills on the fast track this session would require Minnesota businesses to provide up to 12 weeks of paid family leave and an additional 12 weeks of paid sick leave. Corey Bennett of Bennett Government Consulting said this proposal will impact farmers. People can take those paid family leave not only for themselves, um, but for their family members if there becomes a time when they need to take some time off. Um, there'll be hours that they can actually be able to do that. That's certainly something that our employers are going to have to provide if they're not providing it already at a certain level. And a safe and sick time as well. You know, after 80 hours, they're going to have to, uh, the employees can start to accrue hours. And if, you know, our businesses right now don't have that sort of policy put into place, they will start to have to provide that sick time as well. Bills have been introduced in the past to ban certain crop protection products and seed treatments. Up to this point, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen any of those restrictions or bans on certain egg cam seed, pesticide fertilizers, um, those sorts of things. I anticipate that those things are coming um, at some point during this legislative process. I think that that's going to those bills will certainly be introduced and debated. Um, up to this point, though, the, uh, we have not seen that. I, I think it's coming. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. The National Association of State Departments of Agriculture has established its policy priorities for the year ahead. The list includes the 2023 Farm Bill, science-based environmental regulations, a reliable supply chain and workforce development. NASDA CEO Ted McKinney said the State Departments of Agriculture are uniquely positioned to offer policy solutions. The South Dakota Corn Growers Association had its annual meeting Saturday. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman was in Sioux Falls. The main focus for many farm groups is the upcoming farm bill. South Dakota corn growers, like many organizations, have their priorities and goals set that they hope to see over the finish line. South Dakota Corn Growers President Scott Stahl says Title I advancements will be a priority. We're looking at ways to help modernize and, and make relevancy to the uh, Title I program. Uh, that would be helping to strengthen the reference price and loan rate uh, that's uh, in the Title I for corn growers. And also um, taking a look, a good look at 
the actual uh, base acres, how they're calculated. Uh, South Dakota, as the Corn Belt has moved its way west, uh, there's a lot of farmers that produce corn and they don't have base on those acres. So just looking at the costs associated with that and opportunities for growers across the state. Stahl says South Dakota leadership is no stranger to production agriculture and is confident that they are well represented in Washington, D.C. We have a very good relationships and delegation that understands production agriculture here in South Dakota. Uh, Senator Round, Senator Thune, and Congressman Johnson all um, are definitely attentive and listen to proposals that we have. Yeah, we, we want to be able to keep crop insurance a priority. We know that's a safety net um, with, uh, you know, the extreme weathers we have here in the Dakota. Being able to provide, you know, a safe, abundant food supply and also, um, you know, provide the corn stock needed for our ethanol industry because we feel like that's really helped create local demand and helped enhance uh, producer profitability here in the Dakotas. Reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. A reminder, listen for updates from the KMOT Ag Show going on this week in Minot. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Minnesota Farmers Union President Gary Wardish is confident in current Ag Committee leadership and is optimistic about passing the new farm bill. You know, we have uh, Senator Stabenow. The, the senator from Michigan was chair of the Ag Committee, and she was the chair of the Ag Committee during the last Farm Bill, and she's announced her retirement. So, we, you know, we, we hate, to leave her, hate to lose her leadership, but at the same time, you know, she's been a very, very strong supporter and very fierce supporter of Ag programs and, and Farm Bills on getting it done. So we're hoping that with her uh, announced retirement that she's going to work really hard to get it pushed through on the Senate side. Wordish says relationships and communications with lawmakers is also key to a successful farm bill. This will be the first farm bill in, the, I believe, the last four that we won't have Colin Peterson either as the chairman or the ranking member. So it's kind of a new ground for us. We're comfortable with the chairman, Chairman G.T. Thompson. You know, we're comfortable he'll do a good job. But, but like I mentioned earlier, we don't have the leadership from the Midwest here, which we had at Colin. But in the Senate, we have both uh, Senator Smith and Klobuchar. Both have been on the Ag Committee since they went into the Senate. So we do have strong leadership, but it, it, it is kind of new ground. But it's, it's important for us as members of our, our farm organization, Farmers Union, and other farmers too, just to reach out to your local congressional people and um, talk to them. Tell them what you need because, I mean, that, that's what we need to do. We need to advocate for ourselves. The World Trade Organization's Director General wants world leaders to adopt a shared carbon pricing system. Today, there is at least 70 different carbon pricing options available around the world. The WTO leader believes one consistent policy will provide certainty, especially for the small developing countries. There was a full house for Friday's North Harvest Bean Day event in Fargo. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has this update. NDSU dry bean breeder Juana Sorno announced two new dry bean varieties at North Harvest Bean Day. ND Rodeo is the slow darkening pinto variety just released. You know, almost every year now we're getting to that point in which every year we're bringing new material for, for the farmers to use. So we're very excited. This year we got a slow darkening pinto and also a dark red kidney. The name is ND Rodeo. It's, it's a high yielding variety. Of course, that has to be there always. He has a slow darkening trade, which is very attractive for, for many people and many markets as well. We have better seed size, which has been a problem historically with the slow darkening pintos, is they tend to have smaller 
seat sizes, but I think we're getting now into the second generation of slow darkening pintas that are improving in that aspect. ND Red Barn is the new dark red kidney variety. Asorno says ND Red Barn has a better bean shape. High yield, but I mean it's out yielding pretty much any other dark red kidney that we were testing in our trials, with the exception of Dynasty, which is a great variety as everybody knows. Uh, so the yields are similar to what you get on Dynasty. Uh, I think we have better seed shape, which is more people want that kidney shape into the dark red kidneys and the light red kidneys. And I think Dynasty lacks that a little bit. And even some of my older varieties that I released before didn't have that nice shape that everybody wants. This one is uh, it's an improvement in that regard. So we're pretty excited. Reporting agriculture's business. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Dry beans are a very good source of low-fat protein. North Harvest Bean Growers Association Executive Director Mitch Coulter says there's opportunity now to reach more consumers. You know, I think a big push for us now is moving towards the ingredient market. That's always an exciting new thing, and you want to get to that protein. You know, everybody's, all the crops are kind of going after this protein push, and you know, dry beans are no different, and we have some of the best protein. We also can separate into fiber, and there's other products, too, that we're focusing on. Coulter says developing markets for bean exports is another priority. Argentina is right now our biggest competitor in most of our markets, but we're focusing on Mexico, Central America. We move a lot of beans there. Uh, food aid is a good driver. Again, you kind of go back to that, but that really is where a lot of our beans are going kind of our project behind food aid that's we sent 60,000 meals down into Central America so we're excited to go we were going to Honduras and Guatemala with those beans. Friday's USDA cattle on feed report is being considered to be mostly neutral the on feed total of 11.7 million head down three percent from a year ago December placements topped 1.8 million head down 8%. Marketing's at 1.7 million head down 6%. All of these totals are within trade expectations. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. U.S. Commodities President Don Rose as traders continue to take a risk premium out of the grain markets on Friday. All about taking risk premium out of the market after the bullish uh, report that we had uh, January uh, 12th. And um, we'll see some funds are long. Uh, the market bent back, hasn't rolled over yet technically, uh, except on the soybeans. And like you said, the wheat market found some strength. Um, I think it's uh, picking up on uh, feed wheat versus corn in some of the areas that's cheaper. That's giving us some help also. Rose says the La Nina weather patter, pattern seems to be changing. And I think when you look at it, the ocean temperatures at the equator, no doubt, are uh, warmer. Uh, you know, we see that personally versus the last two years. And that's the sign that La Nina is weakening. Uh, it's just uh, how quick can you uh, get that to die and then switch over to an El Nino. So I, I think going forward it's going to be pretty popular uh, for analysts to be talking about that. And I think you can tell in the U.S. the uh, drought continues to shrink. And, you know, if there's a weather pattern change, do we take how much risk premium out of the market? CHS says it will begin construction on a new 1.1 million bushel grain shuttle facility south of Sioux Falls this spring. 
CHS says the facility will be built near the intersection of I-29 and State Highway 44 near Worthing and tie into an already existing rail loop currently being used for CHS agronomy services. USDA's weekly export sales report for the week ending January 12th shows corn inspections of 1.2 million metric ton. That's well above the previous week and the four-week average. Soybean export sales of 986,000 tons are 26% more than the previous week, 22% more than the four-week average. And net wheat sales of 508,000 tons are well above the previous week, 87% more than the four-week average. Checking those markets, we're mixed for Minneapolis wheat. March down seven and a quarter, and July six and three quarter cents higher. Chicago wheat for March dropping four and three quarter cents. Hard red winter wheat March down nine and a half. March corn currently trading at six seventy one and a half, four and three quarter lower. New crop down four and a half. March soybeans fourteen ninety one down fifteen and a half cents. July is down by fourteen and a quarter cents. Checking the farm calendar, the NDSU Getting It Right meeting uh, in corn production will be held tomorrow, 8.30 to 9 o'clock. You can contact your county extension office for more details on that webinar. The Minnesota Cow-Calf Days on tap. They have a seminar trade show. This is the 50th anniversary of the Cow-Calf Days. They'll be in Staples uh, and Bagley tomorrow and Greenbush on Wednesday of this week. Also, as we look into the farm calendar, the Northern Pulse Growers Association has its annual meeting. It's a one-day event. It will be held tomorrow in Minot. Uh, their uh, speakers include Jacob Shapiro, uh, geopolitical analyst, and Dr. Joe Outlaw, economist, professor at Texas A&M University. Have yourself a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.